Well, we are in the third week of this series that we're just simply calling Green Thumb. And it's about uh, cultivating a life of growth. That we, that's what this is, is about. We understand that here at Celebration Church, you know, the word tells us that unless, uh, unless you agree, two can't walk together. We can't go down the same road unless there's some basic things that we kind of say yes to. And so we've boiled it down to this, okay? We don't even say that you have to say yes to Jesus right off the bat. We just say that you have to say yes to being open to what God has for you and that you're willing to move forward, that you're willing to keep this growth mentality in mind. And that doesn't mean shooting off the charts turbo growth. It could be the little turtly enough for the turtle club growth, just barely moving along growth. It could be... anything in between but it's just saying yes that you're willing to grow that you have a desire to grow that is our baseline of agreement here and if we're going to agree on that then we have to decide okay there's some there's some basic things that we have to have clicking in our lives to uh to be able to do this just like your car has to have the spark and the fuel and the oxygen to have combustion we have to have these things in our lives to keep the growth process going. And we already talked about prayer. Prayer is that initial link. We start our relationship with God with prayer. We continue our relationship with God with prayer. And prayer is as simple as just talking to God. It's not this big, huge, crazy definition. It's just that simple. And then we talked about last week that it's, we have to have this, this, the miracle grow stuff in our life, the thing that feeds us and makes us grow, which is the word of God, his truth. He's given us this to help grow us and to teach us and to move us along as we are developed in his image. And then this week, there is this environment for growth. There is this place we get planted and we have to stay there. We can't get uprooted and think that we're going to continue to grow. And that I'm talking about this concept of fellowship, this concept of community, this concept of the body of Christ, of being plugged in with other people who are in this journey together. So let's just go ahead and jump into your notes. If you're on the, your iPad or your iPhone or your Android-powered phone, which I know it kind of caught you off guard, but next week you can be ready. You can have version on there and just click along with us. Um, but let's, let's get rolling on this. It uh, says, uh, in the pursuit of cultivating a life defined by growth, that there are some key pieces that help our lives to flourish. And staying connected with other Christ followers is one of those things. It's just absolutely necessary. There is no getting around it. Now, I understand. I understand. You know, the reason we're in this environment and whatever environment we end up in, we have a 24-7 facility, everybody asks, are you going to get a building? One day, yes, we will have a building. But it will be designed in such a way to help put people at ease. Because there are enough people who are disconnected from God. Did you know that 70% of the people in our community don't walk into a church service in an entire month? 70%. That's way, way, way the bulk. Well, one of the big reasons is is a lot of people don't like church people. You're like, you know, God's cool. The word's all right. His followers drive me up the wall. I don't want to be around those people. Christians are obnoxious, they're self-righteous, they're hypocritical, they dress funny, they say words I don't understand. 
What's the deal with this? I just don't want anything to do with it. And I understand that, that we are highly, highly conscious of the conflicts that can easily come up with us having to, to stay connected with other believers and this tension that can get built as a bunch of imperfect pieces bounce around together. You know, you sit there and you have something that's not quite finished and it's honing and it starts operating together. There's going to be this stuff called friction. And part of that is that we get, we get molded by that. But what we have to understand is this is a core part of being a believer. Acts 2.42. This is right as uh, you can't hardly get any more early church than this. In Acts 2.42. And it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay, the, 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 the word and to the fellowship, to sticking together, to stay in with each other, to spend in time with each other and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Because, see, they understood that God uses other Christians to help us grow. God has always used people, always. He has always done that. It blows my mind. Why he doesn't use something that doesn't have its own will to kind of muck up the works. I mean, I tell you what, you can't find throughout the Bible, you can't find anybody that was used of God that doesn't have a skeleton in their closet. Some of their skeletons are on their front porch. They just like, yeah, here it is. I ain't going to try to hide it, you know. And, uh, you know, that's more and more our culture. More and more of our culture is, you know, I'm broken. Here it is. Just take it or leave it. And, uh, but we have to understand that God uses people. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. We already talked about the whole fruit of the Spirit thing and that love is the key. Okay? If we're going to do this sticking together thing, love has got to be the glue that holds us together. We get out of love and then things, man, the wheels come off fast. And so this way he's rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints as we are connected with the, with the overall body of Christ, as we're connected with other people, then we begin to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. Now, how does that, how, how does that begin to help us? Well, first off, you begin to understand, and you're first blown away, that God loves that person that drives you up the wall. You begin to understand how wide and how deep. God, you love them, and I can't seem to do it. I can't see I'm I'm stuck with this person and I see their faults and I see this stuff and I have to deal with them because they're my brother in Christ. And, you know, I know that they weren't born regular. They're adopted. They're something. They've snuck in here. But they're my brother in Christ. And now they're driving me up the wall. But God, you love them. Anybody ever been amazed at God's love for somebody else? I just I'm guilty of that. And go, wow, God, your love is so big. God, I can understand how you can love somebody as awesome as me, you know. But that boogerhead, how do you love them too? And, uh, 
No, it's, man, that, that we begin to see and taste the riches of God's love as we are dealing with each other. And then we begin to operate in this place where we begin to experience that pouring through our lives. We also, <clears throat> verse 19, and to know this love, to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You know what, folks? This is what we're pushing to. This thing where I said, hey, we all need to agree that we're going to kind of move forward here together. This is our destination to move into the fullness of what God has for us. That's where we're going. You're like, seriously? I, I didn't know I signed up for that. I just want to be a little better. I don't want like shooting for this fullness of God thing. No, that's where we're going. But guess what? We, God's given us his lifetime to work on it. We do it in bite-sized chunks. It's okay. But isn't it amazing that God wants us to know something that surpasses knowledge? As I was just chewing on this, I'm like, what? How do you know something that you can't know? How do you know something that surpasses knowledge? Knowledge is stuff we know. But to know something that is beyond knowing. Now, at first, I was like, this is just, you know, kind of showing us this, this greater view. But we do this all the time. Anytime we begin to try to explain something and finally go, I, I don't know how to do it. It was just wonderful. We have this, we know something that surpasses knowledge. I can't take the little bits and pieces. I can't take the words and the phrases and all it is and put it into something that I can now transfer to you what I have here. I know something that surpasses knowledge. That is always something that comes experientially. It is not something that comes from book knowledge. All of those moments, all of those things in our lives that we know that surpasses knowledge, none of them came from a textbook. None of them came from somebody else's relaying a story to us. They all came experientially. God wants us to experience this love. The height, the depth, the width, how great is his love for us. And he wants us to experience his love. He wants us to experience that. Oh, I'm telling you, that that's what begins to shift and to change everything. Man, years and years ago, this whole uh, thing of the... The growing in the body of Christ. I finally got serious with God my freshman year at ASU. I was like, God, you know, I, I'm done with just kind of goofing off and whatnot. And the Holy Spirit was just directing me. And I was like, God, I need, I need friends. I knew I needed friends. I needed godly friends. I needed that support system. I knew it. I was not one of these saying, hey, God, just you and me, we're going we're gonna to kick this together. We're all good. No, I knew I needed friends. I began to pray for friends. And... Uh, you know, and immediately, you know, God gets, gives me the ideal friend, you know, this uh, tattooed, chain-smoking dude. And uh, just, I mean, just the ideal godly friend, I mean, immediately, you know, sitting across the table, first time we meet, looks like the devil with a Dallas Cowboys hat on. And, uh, and, uh, and so, uh, you, know, and then, you know, I had no, you know, don't judge on the outside. You don't know what God's going to do through that person. And, uh, and, Quite quickly, 
God began to uh, develop a deep uh, lifelong friendship with uh, me and Brandon Moore. And uh, he didn't stay a chain-smoking, he was was just as hungry for God as I was. And we just began to grow together. And um, we would sit there and we would do what we talked about last week, about this thing about getting into the Word. And he would spend his time in the Word of God and I'd spend my time in the Word of God. And all of a sudden, this scripture that would just begin to come alive in us. And it was just like you understood it, but you couldn't quite communicate it. And then we'd go to each other and we'd have our prayer times together as prayer partners. And we'd say, man, you need to see this, you know. You know, maybe it's it's John 3.16 or something. And you go, and God so loved that he gave. And the other one, whoever's doing it, is going, yeah. Yeah, God God so loved. No, man, you don't understand. God so loved that he gave gave yes you know i don't do it that way but yeah you know i don't get all crazy faced about it but but yeah i understand that You're like no you don't i thought i understood it too and we would totally go back everyone and then finally we would just have to tell one another, man I, i'm just really excited about this verse and you're, you're not gonna understand and, and we just understood because there was something revealed by the Holy Spirit that was experiential in here. There was something that connected in a new way that was beyond knowledge. You couldn't communicate it in, in paragraphs and in words, but God revealed it and begins to shift and change your life. God does that for us as we begin to experience his love through being connected with other people, it begins to shift us and change us from the inside. Ephesians 4 says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people, to prepare God's people. Okay? All these little groups of folks that there's only, you know, it's not the bulk of the population fits into apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There's some people that God chose that, that, that operate in certain giftings. And then he, they pour into and help develop God's people. That's you. That's all of us. It's me. We all fit into that. Into God's people so that the body, <clears throat> wait a minute, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Anything that I do as a pastor is to help equip so that all of us can build each other up. Okay? If you're thinking that you're just going to show up to any church service, not just here, and that all the building up is going to happen this, this way, it's not how it works. I'm sorry I didn't devise the system. God did this. Help equip, but us, connected, we build each other up. That's the way... It works. That's how this happens. Until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Again, our goal. That's where we are moving to. And then we're no longer be infants, tossed to and forth by the waves. And blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and the deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow in in all things, grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, 
joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You are working on me and I am working on you and the people that you're connected with in your life that our God uses others to do this in our lives. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Now, when you really think about that, and it, it sounds kind of cool and manly, but, but then when you back it off, you're like, yeah. It also sounds a little painful, you know? This is removing that, that sharp blade that's being revealed, that there's little excess metal that's getting in the way of that being sharp. It's making it dull. and That's being removed and that sharpness being revealed. You know, it's been said that you can, one can acquire anything in solitude. We can decide and say, forget y'all. I'm done with y'all. People tick me off. I hate people. I don't want to get up in the morning because I know I'm going to have to see somebody and I'm just done with it. And we, you, can, you can do that. You can go live on a little island and you can acquire anything in solitude except for character. We can't develop character on our own. It is developed and revealed as we deal with each other. That's the whole point of character. The only reason I need character is so that I treat you with as much love as God has for you. So that his view of you shows up in the way I treat you. That's the whole reason I have to have character. That's the whole reason you have to have character. And we can't do that alone. 1 Thessalonians 3.10 says, Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what's lacking in your faith. There's some, something lacking. God's going to use us to help bring that and supply that. 1 John 1.7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You know what? We want to have some of this rough spots worked out, some of our kind of poor decision-making processes. That's what sin is. It's just we're not choosing what God would have us choose. That's it. And we just begin to shift over here, and we get connected with more people who are making better choices, and it helps to purify us. And choose what God would have us to choose. See, this idea of fellowship is so important to our growth because we were created for community. We were created to be connected to each other. Now, we've got a little video I want to roll for you that I'm so thankful this is not what we mean by living in Christian community. Mom, where's Timmy? He's gone to be with the Lord. He's dead? Oh, silly. He and his family have moved to Bubble Creek Canyon. Do you dream of a day when you can drive to work without being forced to look at unchristian billboards and bumper stickers? When you can turn on the radio without hearing the electric guitar or some other horrible instrument of the devil? When you don't have to interact with bozos who have the audacity to disagree with you? Well, at Bubble Creek Canyon, your dreams can come true. Hello, or as we like to say at Bubble Creek Canyon, have an out. Bubble Creek Canyon is an isolated community nestled in 3,500 acres of magnificent and desirable real estate. Best of all, it's 100% heathen free. That's right, and you'll think it's the next best thing to heaven. 
At Bubble Creek Canyon, we use an elaborate screening process to ensure that our residents completely agree with our doctrine. No ifs, ands, or Buddhists. We're a heavily gated community with fantastic facilities, breathtaking sight lines, and Christianized amenities. We have a Christian shoe store, a Christian t-shirt store, a Christian underwear store, a Christian bank, Christian grocery, Christian car dealership, Christian pet store, Christian liquor store, and a Christian tattoo parlor. Temporary, of course. We have a nationally recognized school district and only one textbook. We also think you're going to like our library. How'd this filth get in here? At the BCC Cinema, you can watch all the latest movies without worrying about the questionable content because we removed it all. Every home comes with a spacious backyard with plenty of room for an optional baptism pool. Hey! In the year on the high priest soldier one of my personal favorites and each home comes equipped with built-in christian signage just try to pull this off the wall with our combination cable and internet package you'll have access to es pray in my heavenly space god tunes godopedia god gold god bay godcast and the sopranos every morning a copy of our community paper will be delivered to your doorstep and our publication is committed to protecting you from all that unpalatable bad news that's always happening around the world. Our landscaping company, Holy Ground, will make sure that your front yard is always impeccably manicured. We've added a new feature this year. Around the holidays, special sensors in the streetlights detect non-nativity ornamentation and act quickly to eliminate these unsightly eyesores. Bubble Creek Canyon, if God wasn't omnipresent, he'd probably live here. That's not what we're talking about, about living in Christian community. We're not talking about this idea of trying to distill our lives down and, and, and isolate ourselves from, from the rest of the world. We're talking about living our real lives with our real issues, with people who really love us and are committed to see God work in our lives, to not to understand that we all come with a little bit of baggage and that God's working us through. That's why we are, say all the time that we're so grateful that God meets us right where we are and that he loves us that much, but that we're also grateful that he doesn't leave us there. He grows us up. We hit the starting gate, day one, heaven ready. We say yes to Jesus and we're heaven ready. And the rest of the process is God renewing our mind, will, and emotions so that our choices in our lives begin to reflect the new life that we already have. We're not here trying to attain new life. We're not here trying to attain heaven. We're trying to show that this heaven's already here on the inside of us. We're heaven ready. And we're going to begin to live in that way. See, Genesis 2.18 says, The Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone and I will make a helper suitable for him and I tell you what anybody ever questions whether it's good for man to live, be alone all the wives take a retreat for a week and come home and see the house that is bad I'm telling you the only reason that we don't still live in caves and lean-tos is the women bless God thank God for women is uh uh, it's a good thing, and uh, but but that was not just in reference to man to to one man. It was or to the to the males. Women understand this; they're better at it. I tell you what, you just try to get a woman to go to the bathroom by herself, and she understands things better in community. 
So I don't know what y'all help each other with. I don't know if y'all, I don't know if y'all talk through the stalls. I, I, I don't know if that's where y'all go and tell like guy jokes so we can't hear you. That's that, the code of let's go to the bathroom means I've got a good one for you. I don't want my husband to hear. Um, I don't know what the deal is, but women are better about living in community than men are. And, uh, but we all need it. We were created for it. We have to have it. Ephesians 2 tells us in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. And in, and in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lived by his spirit. And it's under the spirit's control. There was this study done by this, <clears throat> these graduates of Columbia University of the top 11 symphony orchestras. These are the cream of the crop symphony orchestras. Tons of top-notch musicians that come together that create this, this, this wonderful, wonderful music. And as they began to interview the different groups that were, that were doing this, they had some interesting uh, findings. And it said that the uh, percussionists, or our drummer, our percussionists were viewed as insensitive, unintelligent, hard of hearing, yet fun-loving, um, by the rest of the orchestra. That's what the, the rest of the orchestra thought that of these professional percussionists. The string players were seen as arrogant, stuffy, and unathletic. <laughs> the uh, orchestra members also overwhelmingly chose as a primary descriptor for the brass section as loud. That was just... That was just what they said of them. The woodwind players seemed to be held in the highest esteem and were described as quiet and meticulous, but also thought to be a bit egotistical. So here within these top 11 orchestras, that there were these tensions and these, these preconceived arrogant things that, that, that had not been all the way dealt with. But yet when it came time, for them to do what they had to do, they sounded good. They weren't getting upset because of these things. They still maybe had some growing up process to do. But when it came time, they put on the music that they were supposed to put on and did it well. Why? Because they all referred back to that conductor. They were all controlled by one guy that esteemed them all as a part. That is what is so important. As we first commit to say, God, I'm saying yes to you. Even though I don't fully understand these other people you're having me work alongside with and do life with, I'm saying yes to you. And as long as all of us keep saying yes to God, then what God is wanting to do through his body can get done and these other little underworking tensions can get worked out in process and not thwart the end result. We, but we have to, have to be willing to say yes to our leader. We have to be willing to say yes to God. Romans 12 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think yourselves more highly than you ought to. That's what gets us in trouble. We start thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs 
to all of the others. And then I love this. Because God, just, just when, we be, when we are willing to do this, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Just like our little video showed, pointed out. God is, he's always with us. But this is such a big deal to him that Jesus said here in Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three come together, why? In my name. Because we're saying yes to our conductor. There I am with them. God's presence is with us when we're connected to each other in a special way. It's not that he was absent and then all of a sudden he's like, woohoo, now I'm on the scene. It is, he was always there, but he expresses his presence in a special way when we will finally connect with each other. If you're on the YouVersion app, you'll, there's, a, there's a question that pops up and I'd appreciate it if you would answer it. Uh, the answers are anonymous, but it's, it's uh, who has played a vital role in your being able to move forward spiritually. Somebody has helped you along or is helping you currently. If, if you're here not on it, I want you to just think about that. And I just want you to just give God some thanks right now for the people that he has used in your life to help you move forward. Because, see, we have to understand that Sundays should not be the only day that we get together with people who will encourage our spiritual growth. Life-giving relationships must be a priority. They have to be a priority, folks. Acts 2.46 says, Every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This authentic, authenticity. It's been a buzzword in the, in the you know, churches that are really going at it for the last five years or so. And it's that. It's just sincerity. Let's ditch the Bubble Creek Canyon pretentiousness. And let's be sincere and work this thing out together. That's what this is going to take. That is what it's, we're going to have. To have. <clears throat> Acts 20.20. It says, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that will be helpful to you. But have taught you both publicly and from house to house. Paul had his public meetings. Folks, this, this, this is a public meeting. Anybody's invited to this, they all are welcome to come. But we also have some meetings that are house to house. And it's that place where this begins to work out so much better. This, this fellowship, this connectivity, this iron sharpening iron, this you and me helping build each other up. And we, we call it small groups. Some people have it before church. Some churches have it before church and have it as, as Sunday school. It comes on cell group ministry, all sorts of things. But it's when some believers get together on purpose to grow. We're going to study the word together. We're going to pray together. We're going to help each other. We're going to be committed to each other. That's, that's what we're talking about here. And ours is small group ministry. And I want to encourage you. If you are not in a small group, find a way. Maybe our schedule doesn't work for you. I don't care, I don't care what group. I, they don't have to be people from Celebration Church. This is just a group we're just helping to facilitate it. We just want it to happen. Just get together with some other people. Some of you people have been on a walk to Emmaus or something and have a reunion group. That's great. Just get together with other people who are helping you to grow on purpose. Other believers. That is what this is about all we want to see is to see you grow that is what we are committed to because see hebrews 
5.10 says, Let us consider, let us think about, let us dream and scheme how we may spur one, and on, one another on towards love and good works or good deeds. Let's dream and scheme how we can help each other to love each other more and to let's get some stuff done. Let's, let's show God's love on this planet. And then the very next verse says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see that day approaching. I love it that it was once said that I want Christ, I want the whole Christ for my Savior, the whole Bible for my book, the whole church for my fellowship, and the whole world for my mission field. That's what we want to grow into, folks. That is ultimately our desire because staying in community with other Christians is one of those things that keeps us growing. And it is a crucial part of having a move forward kind of life. Folks, we are connected to each other. We are. God breathes his life into us through each other on so many ways. And part of it, to, to begin to get those, those benefits, begin to grow in that way God intended you to grow, you got to first, you know, say, want to say yes to God. You want to say, hey, I, I want to be a part of this body that's knit together and growing up into the fullness. And it's real easy. All you have to do is embrace that you need a Savior and that Jesus is Him. That He took care of the sin that separates us from God and He makes you right, not anything else makes you right he and that work makes you right and so i if that if we want to create a quiet moment right here that everybody can just kind of bow your heads 